0: And I think maybe if you spoke to a Canadian woman, they'll be like, what are you talking about? We got sweat. Your men don't have swag. They've got Drake swag. But to us, it's corny. And I don't think this is only my experience. Speaking to other friends I've met that have moved here, that is their one complaint about finding a man in this city.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Flourish in the Foreign, the podcast that elevates and affirms the voices and the stories of Black women living and thriving abroad. Why? Because we do this. We are out here doing it, yes. I'm your host, Christine Job, and I am just so full and overjoyed that you are back. Thank you so much for coming back and listening. To the new listeners, hi, how are you? I'm happy you're here. You're about to listen to something that's super dope. I hope you're ready. So before we get into the next episode, I just want to say a word about recent events. And I just want to say that to my listeners, my Black listeners, my Black women listeners, please take this time to rest and really delve deep into your wellness practices We develop these wellness practices for situations such as these. So please take care of yourself. Do whatever activism that is in your ministry, whether it be protesting or education or creation or cooking or taking care of people, whatever your ministry is, please be true to that, be in alignment with that. And of course, please take care of yourself. I have found myself being probably the most exhausted I've ever been in my life these past couple of weeks, and the only thing that I have found to be my saving grace has been this podcast, throwing myself into the stories of these incredible Black women living these incredible lives abroad, hearing their voices, and creating this podcast putting in all of my efforts into the elevation of these voices and these stories. You know, I talk to people a lot and they say, well, why is this necessary? And it's simple because media doesn't showcase Black women moving or living abroad for adventure, for career change, on a whim or for love. That does not exist where a black woman is the protagonist and she's just doing it out in this world. This platform is made by black women to showcase black women's stories told by black women, period. I think that so many people can and so many people have gotten so much out of this podcast because these stories are not only incredible, they're extremely informative. Anybody who is thinking about moving abroad could get some real great tangible advice. And even if you're not thinking about moving abroad, these stories have a way of connecting and resonating with everyone who listens because we've all been through some stuff. We've all had some dreams and we've all had some setbacks. And I hope you guys are enjoying this podcast and I hope this podcast helps to not only inform, but also alleviate any stress or anything that's going on with you so before we get to the next story i of course want to tell you all the ways you can support this amazing podcast flourish in the foreign is written hosted crafted and lovingly edited by me christine And this process is a labor of love, but labor nonetheless. And because podcasting is not free, it takes time, money, and resources to produce this wonderful show for you, which of course, again, I lovingly do. If you are enjoying the show, I would really, truly appreciate your support of the show. There are two ways for you to support the show one is monetary the other is non-monetary and both are equally appreciated the monetary way is through the site patreon you can become a patreon member of this podcast by going to the podcast patreon site which is www.patreon.com flourish foreign which allows you to contribute to the show monthly it works like this. Patreon will automatically take out whatever you choose to donate at the first of the month, ranging from one euro to as many euros as you like. And based on the level of support, is a level of content that you can receive from the podcast that includes community access at the first level, bonus episodes at the second level, and I actually just dropped a bonus episode today and behind-the-scenes content, and even live Q&A sessions with some of our amazing podcast guests at the third level. And I'm actually going to be putting out some surveys asking the Patreon community who they want to chat with first. If you choose to support the podcast through Patreon, I, of course, will thank you and love you forever. Thank you, thank you. And I will be shouting you out here on this podcast, and that's what I'm about to do. So thank you so much, Siobhan. I truly appreciate your support. Thank you, thank you so much. Now, it's come to my attention that some of you guys listening would like to contribute to the podcast, show your appreciation, but maybe not in a monthly subscription kind of way, which is totally understandable. If you'd like to do like a one-off contribution to the podcast, slide into my DMs at Flourish Foreign on Instagram, or go to the website and hit me up on the contact page. And we will arrange for you to contribute to the podcast for sure. Thank you so much. Now, on to the non-monetary ways to support the podcast, which is, of course, equally as important. Please shout out the podcast on social media. Tag the podcast across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Flourish and tell people why you like this podcast. When you recommend or whenever you post the podcast, tell people why you like it. You know, word of mouth referrals are second to none. And so really tell people why they should be listening to this podcast, which you enjoy about it. Tell them, please, tell them. Scream it from the rooftops. Also, please review the show. Take the time right now to go ahead and pause the show and give the show five star rating on Apple Podcasts. And please leave a review. Leaving a review takes about five seconds, maybe thirty seconds if you're really gonna think about what you're gonna say. But please, 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 this is how people can find the podcast in organic search. So please take the time to review the show five stars and leave a review on Apple Podcasts And please leave a review on whatever listening platform you're using. It really helps the podcast to get found and so that more and more people can listen to these incredible stories. Of course, subscribe to the podcast so that when a new episode drops, you will get it automatically. You don't got to search for it, it's just there for you. Now that we're done with the support portion of our show, and I thank you again so much for your support, let's get on to the next story. Our next guest is Adama. Adama is a British woman currently living in Toronto. She is co-host of the Incredible Chapter 6 podcast, which is so funny. They are hilarious. It's really about these Black British women living and thriving in Toronto and really trying to navigate what that means. And they discuss a lot of different life situations that we can definitely all relate to. So, so funny. So without further ado, I will let Adma tell you her story.
0: My name's Adama. I am 33, 34 at the end of this year, which I'm very excited about. My 30s have been the best years of my life. I'm currently living in Toronto, Canada, and I'm from northwest London. I'm from an African family. My parents are both from Ghana. My dad moved to London when he was, I think, about 18, and my mum when she was 19 to start nursing. And any time either of them told me stories about the fact that they had moved at such a young age to a country where they effectively didn't know anybody and were starting again by themselves, I was always so interested but also baffled about how at 18 and 19 they could do that when I couldn't even imagine in my 30s being able to do something like that and be brave enough to do something like that. I come from a very close family, I have two older brothers, and even though my parents... Broke up When I was 10 and I didn't really have a close relationship with my dad, the four of us as a unit, my two brothers and my mum, we were all, all very, very close. I've always been quite a high achiever, if I may blow my own trumpet, as in I got very good grades at school. My mum always said that I was the child that she never has to worry about. I just get on with things. I went to Oxford University and it was the first time that I had really experienced living around very privileged people, I should say. I grew up in Harmsdon and the demographic of the people that I grew up around were, I don't know if we still use the, the phrase lower class, but, but a lot of Black people, a lot of up-and-coming people, a lot of people that live paycheck to paycheck. Even the secondary school I went to, it wasn't one of these elitist schools. I've never been to a private school. So going to Oxford University was the first time I saw people living a different kind of life. And I remember when I got there in the first year, I noticed that a lot of people should have been in the year above me. But after sixth form, they were all talking about these six-month um, trips they had taken, these gap years, and they'd travelled Africa and they'd gone to Asia. And I just thought, what? Not In, in my school, I don't think anybody took a gap year or went travelling for six months before university. So it was the first time that I had even heard that that was a possibility. I definitely never had the means or the money to do that out of sixth form. I think it was just an expectation that I would go straight from school to university because that's what we did. That's what we do. So that was the first time my eyes were open to it. And then I think even after uni, again, I didn't have the privilege of having a mum and dad that could give me a few grand to take some time out. I had to go straight into work. And I mean, I'm grateful for it now because in the 12 years it's been since I've left uni, I've been able to do great things in my career and get to a level in management that maybe I wouldn't have done so quickly. But looking back, it probably would have been beneficial to have those opportunities to see a bit more of the world. I had a job from the day I left uni and I worked in the same job for seven years I did very well in life. I was very happy with my career progression and I was even able to buy a flat at the age of 28. I then got to age 30 and I started feeling a little bit restless. I was thinking, okay, I could continue on this path and be very stable and I could expect what was coming in my life, keep progressing in my career, keep achieving, eventually have a family. But it started to feel very flat. It started to feel very predictable. And I even started thinking about whether I wanted to change careers. And, you know, you have these wild ideas about maybe it's because I'm not happy in my job or maybe I need to move out of this flat or maybe it's because I need a new relationship. And I found myself for a couple of years just not feeling at my optimum level of happiness. And I mean, I'm sure that's the goal for everybody, but me more than most, my number one goal in life is what is going to make you happy in this period of time? As I started thinking about it, I was speaking to friends more. And in 2018, I happened to come to Toronto for the first time. A really good friend of mine that I had in London for over 10 years, he had moved here in 2017 and even then I, I thought he was absolutely crazy. I I didn't know anybody that had just moved to another country. And when he was leaving, I kept on asking him, "Why you've got such a great life here?" You're really successful. You're really close to your family. And he was just saying, ads, I need to escape. So I came to visit him after he'd been here for a year. And he, in his own way, kept on trying to convince me to move. And all I kept saying was, why would I move? What what even is that? Who just moves from the country that they've grown up in? And then we went on a walk. And I remember it was February 2018. And if anyone knows Toronto, it's very cold. It was probably the coldest I've ever been in my life. Um, There was heavy snow that day and he was still, let's go for a two hour walk. And already I thought he was crazy thinking, what has moving out of London done to your mind? So we went for a walk and an hour into into the walk, Ricky points to this um, building and he says, isn't that the company you work for? And I turned and it was the company I worked for in London. It was their Toronto office. At the time, I didn't even know that they had an office in Toronto. And I'm big on fate and... Signs from the universe, and I just thought that what are the chances that we've walked past my company building? I went home five days later and I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I thought somebody sent me that as a sign, I've never thought about it before. I didn't speak to anybody about it because I thought everyone would think I was crazy. Who is Adama, this person that is so dependable? She has her life set out, she can't be the one to move. I really thought about it for about six months. And then I spoke to my HR department and I basically said, I want to transfer to the Toronto office. And I think they were shocked. I'm not sure many people had ever come to them asking for an international transfer. Then I um, set up a call with somebody in the Toronto office. And four months later, they said they're really excited about me. And I seem really enthusiastic and they wanted me to move in December. And at this point, this was a month away. And I just thought, I need to give people more time than this. So we had agreed February 2019, I was going to move. I think I told everybody about six weeks (laughs) before I was moving, which was very shock horror. I can't believe it. Funnily enough, though, my mum and my dad and my brother were all very supportive. And I think that is testament to the fact that, again, coming from being second generation, I don't think it was a big shock to them that this is a possibility. Both our parents had emigrated at one point and now have set up this amazing, beautiful life in the UK. Sure, they did it at 18 and 19, not 32 like I was doing, but there's endless opportunities in this world that we just might not be tapping into because we're so determined to stick in our own little box. My brother, who's just supportive of everything I do, anything I do, he will say, go for it. So they were all very supportive and that gave me the confidence That no matter what, if I moved to Toronto and it didn't work out or I didn't like it, I could always go back. But I told myself, give it two years. However you feel, however it goes, give it two years and you can always come home. And it's been just over a year and going home is not in my sight at the moment. I absolutely want to stay past the two years if it's possible for me. And I'm so grateful that I had the means and opportunity to even make this decision. Toronto has definitely become my second home, if not soon to be first home, and is the best decision that I think I've ever made.
1: I asked Adma, when did she feel settled in Toronto? And if she had any advice for settling into a new city?
0: Honestly, and I'm not just saying this to you know put out the wrong impression but I still feel I'm in a honeymoon period but I really think that it's down to mentality I moved to Toronto and even though I mentioned I'd come the previous year to visit my friend he had in this time he's now moved and lives in New York and I still made the decision to come here I say that to say I moved here and the day I moved here I did not know one single person in this city not a single soul I was really out here on my own, and that's coming from a really strong network in London to effectively starting again from scratch. But my mindset going into it, and I think this actually applies to every area of life, if you decide that no matter what, you're going to make this work the way you want it to work, I don't think you can fail. I came into this, and the things I was doing, even when I spoke to my friends about it, they were like, who are you? I really threw myself into life here. I joined every organization. There are loads of apps you can join where you can meet new people. I was trying different skills. I went to choir, even though I can't sing. I joined a rowing club. I joined a board game society. I joined a, a reading club. Anything that I could see that I was remotely interested in, I threw myself into it. And I told myself if it doesn't work out or you don't meet people that are like minded, you can just leave and try something else. So for that first, definitely the first six months, I really told myself, say yes. I think you can get very comfortable in life. And I was very comfortable in London. And you turn down a lot of things or you become very stuck in your ways. And I said, wherever anyone invites you, anything that you come across, just give it a go. If it doesn't work out, what's the worst that can happen? And I I really took on that mantra of just say yes. It then led me to meet this amazing group of friends that I'm now really close with. And it's the same group that I met Fernand, my co-host on Chapter 6 from. And we built a really great friendship. I, I hear a lot of people who are in the same situation as me have moved home, always comparing this to their life in London or oh, if I was in London, I would have this many friends. Or if I was in London, I'd be doing X, Y, Z. I think that's such a detrimental mindset to have because this isn't London. Your family and friends aren't here, but what's stopping you from creating a new set of family and friends here? And I truly believe the people I have met are now my family. They're my family away from home. And that gives me so much comfort because I've not been homesick once. To even add another example of a a nuance that's happened in my journey. So, literally at my one year mark, I moved to Toronto, February the 6th, 2019. And on February the 5th, 2020, my mum passed away. I had to fly home for six weeks and I was unsure whether I should come back. Not whether I wanted to come back because I always knew that I'm very happy here, but going home at that time and being back with my family, back with my brothers, my dad, Everybody saying that we now need to rally around each other because we've lost my mum. I really had a bit of a a crisis and thinking, am I doing the right thing by almost being selfish is how I looked at it, being selfish to leave them. And then I spoke to my brother and again, biggest supporter, he said, this is something that's happened in our life and it's devastating. But mum wanted you to be there. My mum always supported me in this journey and always told me how proud she was that I had the courage to go and explore a new life. Every day she would say to me, look at what you're doing, look at all the people you've met, send me pictures, I want to live vicariously through you. So going into the second year and coming back after my mum's funeral, it's even given me a a bit more of a, a push and a drive to know that I'm really making people proud at home. So the honeymoon period hasn't ended for me and I can only see it growing from here on out.
1: I was really keen to learn more about Adma and what she did professionally and how she would compare her work culture in London to the work culture that she has experienced in Toronto.
0: I studied law at university and then quickly decided I didn't want to specifically stay in law. So I started in financial services regulation, which is very similar in terms of um, skills. Is very similar to studying and reading law. I first worked in risk and compliance and then I moved into financial services regulation. I did that for seven years in the UK. And like I said, I transferred with the same company into the same role. When I moved here, I wanted to be a little bit more um, nuanced in what I did. I was specifically looking at anti-money laundering and fraud investigation. That was the department I first moved into when I got here. Um, That's quickly evolved as well. Again, it's just, it's opened up areas that are available to me. I've moved now into business risk services. So I do a lot more of financial services, internal audit work. I now manage specific clients throughout their internal audit program. It's opened my mind up to a lot of different areas of a financial services institution, which is what I came here for, to, to broaden my skills and broaden my knowledge In terms of how it's different to the UK, I don't want this to sound at all like I'm bashing anybody. But since I've moved here, I really now um, understand when people say that London is very fast paced and very innovative. I've definitely found that it's a slower pace here. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, I don't know. I guess because I'm not used to it, it has been an adjustment. but. When I say it's slower paced, even some of the systems or the processes that I see, not only my company, but the clients I work with implementing here, I think they're a good five years, maybe even 10 years behind the UK sometimes. I mean, one example I always give is not specifically related to um, work, but when I got here, my landlord asked me to pay for my rent in cheques. And even that then told me what kind of environment I was walking into because checks are still widely used here. Whereas in the UK, I don't think I've written a check since I was 18, if ever. So that's been definitely something I've had to get used to of not trying to be too forward-thinking, but also I see part of my role here as bringing them new ideas. And anytime I do bring a new idea, which to me might be a basic idea just because it's something I'm used to in the UK – It's always really amazing to me how amazed they are at the things I know or the things I can implement, whereas to me it was business as usual. So that's been a good thing for me. I guess it helps me to shine a bit more because another thing I was thinking the other day was that in terms of the makeup of the workforce, I actually find the people I work with here to be a lot more diverse. I guess that's a reflection of Toronto as a whole, though. It's a very diverse city. I think London is very diverse as well. But the the celebration of diversity in Toronto is something that's really drawn me to this city. And it's beautiful. And that's definitely reflected in my work environment to the point where in London, when I looked at city life and city workers, it's, it's very much the typical privileged white world. Whereas here, I can see a lot more... Diversity and people in from in different ethnicities being able to be given a platform to shine. One thing I wasn't expecting was how excited people are when they hear my accent. Again, I'm I wasn't used to that. I thought that us being on TV or Britishness is just very known. I've definitely had to adjust to how excited people are when they hear that I'm from Britain, let alone a black person coming in from Britain. I think a black woman on top of that coming from Britain with this accent. I I think they see me as very intelligent is what I've been told. And sometimes I think my Britishness is seen before my blackness and my femaleness. And I'll take it. I'll take it as a compliment. I'll take it as however they want to view me, as long as it's positive, I will take it. I think it would have been interesting to see maybe from a perspective of just a black woman who wasn't British and how they are treated, but I'd like to think that the combination of the three has just helped me in my journey. And that's another thing that's aided in my decision to to stay here and know that I can grow here because I don't see the same barriers that I see professionally when I was in London.
1: I'm definitely of the mindset that you're Black, I'm Black, we all Black. However, our cultures vary, obviously, depending upon where we were raised where our roots lie, in so many life experiences. I was super interested to learn how ADMA, being Black British, viewed Black Canadian culture, and how was it being Black British in Toronto?
0: The diversity here has made it so that it's, it's not been too much of a culture gap between what I'm used to in the UK. I think a lot of the Black women that I've met here And again, this is very different from what I see in America, in the USA, is that when you ask black people here, even people that were born here, oh, where are you from? You don't just get, oh, I'm from Canada. Again, that's a massive generalisation. And this isn't me um, dissing any black people in America. But I really feel that people here are connected to their roots Whether you were born and raised here or not, you really do know my parents are from Nigeria or I'm here from Guyana. And I love that strong connection because that's very similar to black British people who most of us are second generation. So a lot of us do have that connection to back home, even if we were born elsewhere. I know that my parents, even though they moved to the UK at a young age, they made it a point of taking us back. I think I've been to Ghana up to 15 times in my life. So I I still feel a real connection to home in inverted commas. And I find that the same here. I don't find that I have to explain my blackness um, as much, which is is really refreshing. And it's very similar to my black experience in the UK. They also have a lot of things that celebrate blackness here, which again, it just adds to why I love Toronto. Last summer we had Afrofest and Afro- festivals all over the city. There was a black owned business festival. There is a plantain festival. There's a ribs festival, just everything that celebrates us as black people. There is something.
1: I had to ask her, how was dating in Toronto? And she definitely has some thoughts about it.
0: Being a black woman dating here. I, I do definitely see um, a difference in the way black women are able to navigate the dating world in North America as compared to in London. I think here I see a lot more interracial dating, particularly black men not dating black women. And I think that surprised me because... I don't see that as much in the UK obviously it's still there but I see it as very prominent here so I'd actually say that's probably been probably been my most difficult um, element of moving here is that I guess I had a an idealistic vision that I'm going to move here and meet my husband but it's actually been a lot more difficult than that because I will unapologetically say that I am a very big supporter of black love I'm looking for a black husband I want my kids to be Really, one hundred percent black, and finding black men who date strong black women here has definitely been an eye opener, I'd say, and a, a work in progress. It could be because of the circles that I hang out in. I'm very much a northwest London girl, where it's very predominantly black. So maybe I've just not been exposed to interracial dating as much, but here it is very, very prominent. It's more prominent than I would see in the uk definitely
1: Adma and i really got into this conversation i did wonder if a certain extremely famous toronto rapper who is undeniably successful and undeniably a bop maker but arguably quite corny for at least women who've had some experiences who've seen some things and i wondered if That was indicative of the dating experience in Toronto. I mean, y'all don't come for me or do. I said what I said. So you see exactly what you just said
0: about corny. That is exactly what it is. And I think maybe if you spoke to a Canadian woman, they'll be like, what are you talking about? We got sweat. Your men don't have swag. They've got Drake swag. But to us, it's corny. And one of the things that we always get slated as, as British, but we say they haven't got any source. And what we mean by that is maybe the, the forwardness and the confidence that we see in British men, I don't see it here. One of the biggest pet peeves I have about Canadian men, and I'm going to put this as a public service announcement, the men here are very used to being chased down. They don't do the chasing here. They are very much a, let me sit back and see what you've got. What are you bringing to me? Why should I pick you? Whereas the swag I see from British boys is if I like this person, this woman, I'm going to go get her because I can't let her go. I see that drive. Whereas this laid back attitude that they have of, I don't need to put in any work. You need to put in the work for me. I cannot deal and it's something that I don't know if I'll ever be able to wrap my head around because it's so different to what I'm used to as in I'll give you a really good example I joined hinge which is this online dating site and in my first week here I matched with this guy and I was like great maybe I am gonna find my guy here so we were talking for a few days and then he said oh do you want to meet up on Friday I said fantastic I, I found a good one So then it got to maybe Wednesday and he said, so what are we doing on Friday? I said, yeah, I'm cool. Like you said you wanted to meet me, so let's do it. He said, okay, so when are you going to book the restaurant and let me know what time to meet you? I said, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? So you've asked me on a date and now two days before, you just thought I was making all the plans and you were just going to show up. Again, that might be what some people are used to, but in the world I come from, if a man has asked me on a date, I would like to think that he was taking me out. no, and I'm not used to that waiting for the woman to make all the moves and you just wait and see and someone explained it to me in Toronto that there are more eligible women than men if that makes sense, there are more good inadverticomis women so when you meet a good, in inverted commas, man, they know that they, there is one man to 20 women. So in his mind, you need to work for me. I can pick between this bunch of you and you haven't got many options. So what are you going to do to be the one? Whereas I'm not in competition with anybody, you know, I will put my best foot forward, but I also expect you to put your best foot forward. So when we say you haven't got any source, If I'm having to text you all the time or I'm having to call the restaurant to make a reservation or I'm having to say good morning to you before you think to text me, do you know what's not going to (laughs) happen? You're not going to hear from me because that's not how I move. That's not how I want to be treated. And I don't think this is only my experience speaking to other friends I've met that have moved here. That is their one complaint about finding a man in this city is that they are just too Laid back.
1: I asked Adma if she felt that the local Canadian politics had affected her as an expat living in Toronto, or if her home country, the United Kingdom's politics, had any effects on her even while she was abroad.
0: I don't particularly follow politics like that. I mean, I know in a general way what happens, but even in the UK, I guess it's a, a kind of naive way to live, but I I don't really follow it in the same way. The only time that I've actually started following it is more recently to do with this COVID situation and the way that they've treated people here compared to how I hear they're treating people in the UK. They're the only comparisons I have at the moment. And let me just say, I'm very grateful to be in Toronto and not in London. But in terms of overall politics and the way they treat people. If I'm actually really honest, and again, I'm not saying this is a good thing because I'm currently here on a two year visa rather than I've got permanent residency. I know a lot of things that are available to people here are not available to me. So I've kind of not looked into, for example, benefits or certain elements of healthcare or things like that. I know that because I'm not a resident here, I don't get them anyway. So I've not taken the time to look. But now that I'm now moving into I could be here more permanently, I guess I will look a bit more into that. So just a couple of months after I moved here, we had Brexit in the UK, which for any listeners that don't follow UK politics, that was the UK left the European Union and we've been a member of the union for God knows how long, decades. And they made the decision that they want to go out on their own. And there was this whole debate about whether we remain, whether we leave. There was a a referendum where we voted. 51% voted to leave and 49% of us, and I will add myself to that, voted to remain. Because a lot of the politics around that seemed to be around what I would call very racist mindsets around us not wanting to be open to other people coming into the country. So I'm actually so glad that I managed to escape that because it was a couple of years of of heavy debates in the UK about what Brexit would mean. It would mean that we'd be locked away from a lot of the the trading that could go back and forth between different European countries and just other things that I just didn't think would benefit us, different healthcare policies that were not going to be as beneficial, different benefit systems that were no longer going to be as beneficial. So I was actually worried about what life after Brexit would mean for me. Thankfully, I feel that Brexit has been overshadowed now by what's going on in the world, and a lot of the policies haven't yet been implemented because we're trying to deal with this pandemic. But I definitely think if I had stayed, I would have seen a lot of disadvantages to me as a young Black woman in terms of what's available to me in resources, even when it comes to housing benefit, being a first-time buyer. Anything to do with that, I think I would have been very disadvantaged and they definitely don't have the same mindset here. So leaving amid Brexit was probably the best time to go. And I know a lot of my friends who are now looking at the aftermath of COVID and Brexit policies now being implemented are thinking about, oh, maybe we can move abroad as well. Adam has done it for a year and she looks, she's thriving and we don't want to be a part of this racist implementation. So I think I moved at a good time.
1: I asked Adma about her thoughts on COVID-19. What did she think of the Canadian response? And what did she think of the UK response to this global pandemic?
0: It's been really interesting for me. I went home for six weeks after my mum passed away. I literally came back and then I was in two weeks mandatory lockdown for anybody that had been abroad and then during that two weeks the whole country went into lockdown. So I've literally gone from one extreme to another <laughs> another extreme. I'm actually very grateful for the swiftness of decision making in this country. So we've got Justin Trudeau who's our decision maker here and right from the get-go as soon as we saw the numbers in China, as soon as we saw the numbers in Italy, he was like borders are closing, people have to stay in their in their houses. And it was such swift decision making that you you almost felt compelled to follow what he was saying. He was making news announcements every day. And he's just got such an authoritative way of speaking that I think he did a great job in just getting things shut down very early. If you then compare it to... Boris Johnson, who is the leader in the UK, he was very slow to react. I think for the first couple of weeks, they were even saying we don't need to do social distancing. Nothing needs to be shut down because we're going to go with this herd immunity strategy where basically we want as many low risk people to contract the virus as possible because there was a belief then that once you've had it, you're now immune. They quickly learned that herd immunity wasn't going to work and then they were encouraging people to stay indoors and they were saying it's probably a good idea, again, not authoritative enough. So you were still seeing all over social media and the news, large gatherings of people in parks, everyone was still going about their business. Only then, after the numbers were still ramping up, ramping up, have they now implemented this lockdown situation. But it was too late. By the time the UK went into lockdown and my friends back home were saying to me, we're going to have to go into lockdown. I said, I've been doing this for four weeks. What what have you lot been doing? It's absolutely been just refreshing to be here, knowing that we, we were able to flatten the curve a lot quicker and keep our numbers lower based on the quick action.
1: Like I told you guys before, Adma is one half of the Chapter 6 podcast, and I asked her to talk about the podcast's origin story and what it was all about.
0: Fernand started this podcast sometime last year, I think a couple of weeks after she moved here, so it might have been August 2019, with a group of four other girls, who one of whom I know and the other three I don't know. So they started it as a group of five. And for one reason or another, a couple of them moved back home and then others just weren't able to fully commit. So Fernand put a pause on the podcast and wanted to rediscover what her vision was for it and how she wants to progress with it. In the time that she was thinking about what to do with the podcast, we met as part of this group of expats that we're in. And we just started not even anything to do with the podcast. We just started vibes in and I thought, this is someone I can really get along with we were very similar in certain ways and not similar in other ways but really bounced off each other really well and I think she mentioned to me that a couple of other people in the group had said to her I think ads would be a great person on the podcast so when she decided to restart it I think if you go back to episode one she invited me on as a guest so her intention was to do chapter six podcast by herself episode one of her restart happened to be an Adamo is a guest and I think the feedback from that podcast was amazing for both me and her so then we sat down afterwards and she was like I don't want to put any pressure on you but do you want to be part of the podcast permanently and on the flip side I've been thinking oh my god I hope she asked me to be on the, on the podcast permanently so thankfully we had a meeting of minds and then we thought, let's do it. Let's let's do this podcast thing. It's called Chapter Six Podcast because they call Toronto The Six. And really, our tagline for it is two Black women from the UK that have moved to Toronto and they're navigating life as an expat. So it started off as we're going to talk about our experiences living in Toronto, but there's so many other nuances to that. I don't think every episode has to be about... Difference between Toronto and London because that will quickly get boring. What we want to show on the podcast is just us being ourselves, the things we go through, the things we think about, the things we encounter, the things we watch on TV, the people we've met, just anything to do with our lives. So we're not only talking about our experience in those things being an, an expat, but also being girls from London. Anything that comes up, whether it be because we've moved here or because our mindset has changed moving here, we just want to give an insight into us. Some episodes are deeper than others. I always joke that all I do on that podcast is laugh. Anytime I listen back, I'm like, you're always laughing. But I just, I absolutely love recording. I think we have so far had some really interesting topics that really elicit a lot of debate, which I love. We get a lot of DMs on our Instagram either disagreeing with things that we've said, which is absolutely fine. And I love that. Or people that want to be part of the conversation, which is amazing. And we've just started a new fortnightly segment called The Six Fix, where we ask people to send us any dilemmas or issues they have. And we give our opinions on them or try and help them with their dilemmas. So we do that every other week. And then in the alternating weeks, we either have a guest or something topical that's come up in our lives and we dig a bit deeper into that. So it's a mixed bag, but I think you get a real insight into who we are. We're refreshingly ourselves on there. Sometimes we're talking absolute nonsense, which is part of life. And then other times we give you some real gems. So you don't know what to expect from us, but we try and keep it fun and also informative.
1: I spoke with Adma about an episode on Chapter 6 in which they discussed making friends as an adult and all the trials, tribulations, and triumphs they had experienced. And I asked her to talk more about that.
0: I think it's episode, I want to say, five of the Chapter 6 podcast. Imagine you're older, over 25, and now you meet people, and it's it's literally a case of oh, you're cool. Oh yeah, you're cool too. Do you want to be my friend? Okay, cool. And it feels very inorganic because you are very, very conscious of the fact that you're now choosing to be this person's friend. Whereas say you meet someone at school or you grew up with them, it almost feels more inevitable that you're going to be friends rather than we've now made this decision as adults to be friends. So let's be friends. And I find that so, so funny, but also really interesting because... On the flip side, you really are choosing your friend. And we talked about this on chapter six recently of the balance between you've had this friend from childhood that is no longer serving you, Inadverted comments. commas. When I say serving, I mean b- being friends with someone when you were 11 years old and you're now 30. You could be very different people. But the fact that you've been friends for so long makes you stay in a relationship that is no longer Meeting what you need from a friend. And sometimes it's okay to just say, you know what, we're very different people. But as a society, I think we actually hold people on a pedestal when you say, we've been friends for 20 years. Okay, but do you even like each other anymore? That's probably what you should be asking. But when you meet someone new, I think it's really interesting to work out how you navigate that. I'll give a really good example. When I moved here, within my first couple of months, I met someone. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. Like, This is going to be my friend. We're we're very similar. We like the same things. We would kiki and whatever. And then after about six months, I started realizing that they had some traits that I wasn't massively keen on. And we started having run-ins. And a lot of those run-ins were coming from, I'm very sarcastic, and I think it might be a British thing. So I, I said a couple of sarcastic things that usually the people I know would know that Adam is joking, because nine times out of 10, I'm joking. I'm not always that serious. But for some reason, I think they were very sensitive to what I said. And that's okay. That's fair. But for me, making a friend as an adult, is it has to be about learning each other, you need to be even more patient than you would be with somebody that you already know, because we are just learning how each other reacts to situations. So I've, I've definitely found that interesting. I would say, though, and this is it's, it's unfortunate, but also fortunate that the group of friends that I've met here, the biggest group, I should say, we all happen to be black Londoners, which which wasn't my plan. But when you see something familiar and you're like, they talk like me, they act like me, we can talk about things from back home. They've had the same kind of upbringing. We can talk about the boys in Canada that don't have the same source. And we can talk about events in London. It's We just naturally come together I do have a few friends that are Canadian which is great but making friends with other Londoners who have moved to Toronto has been actually amazing because they share a similar mindset to you than your friends at home some of my friends at home have never left London and that's okay but when I then talk about things I've experienced by moving abroad there's only a certain number of people that will really be able to resonate with what I'm saying So knowing that I have that group that fully understand what it is I'm talking about, that's also really comforting. But this year I've told myself, at least when we're free, I need to meet more Canadian people because there's no point moving to Toronto and all my friends (laughs) are from London. That doesn't make sense. But I am learning about myself more because I'm able to see myself by new eyes almost. I know how my friends at home see me and a lot of my friends I've actually had since childhood. So it's, it's actually nice to see that people are choosing me to be their friend, I guess. I, I don't know if that sounds a bit silly, but it's nice to know that I still got it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That someone would still be like, oh, that's is cool. We want to be friends with her. So that's, you know, a bit of a confidence boost, I guess.
1: I had to ask Adma something that was obviously on everyone's mind if you're speaking to a British person, and that is, what did she think about Megxit? Yes, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry leaving the British royal family and deciding to make a life for themselves. I, as a Black American woman, have lots of thoughts on the situation, but I really wanted Adma's perspective as a Black British woman.
0: I am so glad that they've left the British monarchy and I don't care what anybody says. The British media have attacked her purely because she's not the English Rose that they expected Harry to bring into the Royal family. I saw this really interesting comparison between how the media portray Meghan Markle versus Kate Middleton, who is Prince William's um, wife and in very similar circumstances, the wording that they use to describe her versus Megan is disgusting. And whether they say it's veiled in anything to do with her skin colour, I'm going to call them liars. Because the things that they say about her being narcissistic or taking Harry away or influencing his decisions where have you been in their house that you know that she's this manipulative woman that is pulling all Harry's strings? I honestly think her being non-white and also non-English has just rubbed them up the wrong way. And from day one, she did not have their support. He did not have their support. And you know what? Good on Harry. And he's always been the outspoken one of that family. He was like, I'm not on it. I'm just not here for it. You lot did my mum dirty. That's another conversation. But my wife is not going to go down the way you hounded my mum. So I'm out. And even now that they're out, they're still following them. They're still trying to report on them. Let the people live their lives. They don't want anything to do with you. Leave them alone. Whether she is pulling the, the strings in their household, so what? He's chosen her. And that's all you lot need to know. Everyone wants to be in everyone's business. Leave them alone. They're not asking you for your money. They don't want your titles. They want to go and live in either Canada or America. I don't know where they've ended up now. Let them live their life and stop the bullying. I definitely would put it down to racist bullying and good for them for making a stand.
1: Adma has shared so many great gems thus far, but I asked her, what would be her specific advice for those of you who are thinking about moving abroad and are perhaps a little bit hesitant about it?
0: The biggest thing I would tell them, to anybody thinking of moving abroad or looking into moving abroad or wondering whether you can move abroad, obviously do your research, go into it with with An open mind because it's not all going to be roses and butterflies. I'm not saying there aren't difficult aspects of it, but really understand why you're doing it and what you expect out of it. And again, I am very much about a positive mindset. Whatever mindset that you decide to have towards a situation is what it's going to be. If you decide to be negative about something, or if you decide to be wary about something, it's going to seep into everything you do. If you decide this is something I want to try and I'm going to give myself a minimum term, no matter what happens, I'm going to try it. If you go in with that positivity and that drive, you will only succeed. And success doesn't look like I'm going to stay in that country. That's not the measure of the success. You could even move home after a year But if you could look back on that year and say, I really gave it my all and I threw myself into life in that new place, only good things would ever come out of that. Whether it be you stay there or you go home with a broadened mindset and new experiences, give yourself the best chance to thrive in that new environment. And you will never be you will never look back and say, I wish I didn't do it, because nothing bad comes from trying, in my opinion. I would also say. If you move somewhere else, don't expect it to be like your life in the old place. If that's what you're expecting, you might as well stay where you are because the whole point of moving away is not to replicate the life that you currently lead, it's to do something different and better. And if you continuously compare it to what you had where you are now, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're not allowing yourself to experience something new. So I know that was a long winded answer, but My two top things, have a positive mindset and comparison is the thief of joy. Go into it, broad mind, positivity, throw yourself in, say yes to things that you never thought you would say yes to, and you will come out of it and never regret it.
1: I asked Adma a question that I always ask every single one of my guests, and that is, what was her personal definition of wellness? And how had her experience living abroad influenced that definition of wellness for her?
0: So wellness for me has meant being very conscious of balancing, having time to myself to recharge and also giving my energy to people. Another element of my wellness is I'm really big on exercise. I could probably work out every single day. I always say if I didn't love food so much, I could probably be a supermodel, but (laughs) that's life. But I do some form of exercise most days of the week, I would say. It's actually really interesting when I talk about my journey here. I've always been into fitness, but moving here gave me confidence in ways that I didn't even expect. So when I first got here, I joined a soca dancehall spin class which I absolutely loved. And a couple of months in, I randomly got an email saying, we're looking for new instructors for a new studio we're opening. And again, I told you I'm big on signs and big on fate. I thought that email is for me. I went on an audition interview and I became a spin instructor. Part of my being a well-rounded person is teaching spin three times a week. And I've added that into my routine. Again, something I would never have imagined doing back home, but Moving abroad definitely does things to you that you wouldn't expect. And so I definitely integrate fitness into my wellness. Another aspect of wellness for me here is financial in that I actually feel like I save a lot more by not living in London. And the other week I was thinking, why do I feel I have so much more money here? But it comes down to I don't have a car I'm lucky enough to live a seven minute walk from my office. A lot of the extra expenses that you spend in London, you don't realize that you're spending. I've been able to pocket here. Saving is really important. And actually now more than ever, when I look at this situation with COVID, unfortunately at work, they've reduced me to 50% hours, 50% pay. A lot of people panicked when that happened. They were like, how are we going to pay next month's rent? Whereas for myself, I think I've managed to put myself in a situation where if this went on for another six months, I'll be okay. I make sure I save every month and I make sure I've got enough for a rainy day. And having the extra time in the week has actually given me the opportunity to work on my fitness, work on my nutrition, work on meditation and yoga and reading more and just doing the other elements of my life that I've maybe um, neglected because I've been so busy living on normal life. This is time for me to slow down and really
1: just work on myself. Oh my goodness. Adma. Incredible. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story. If you're interested in learning more about Adma, you can follow her on all her social media.
0: So my personal Instagram is ads eats keto. I know that's very long, so ADZ and then eats keto. That's because I'm on a ketogenic diet, but that's a story for another day. I might even change my name, but that's where I am um, on Instagram. You can find us, our Chapter 6 um, page at Chapter 6 with the, the number 6IX pod. to Chapter 6IX pod, and that's where you'll find me and Fanan and links to our Spotify, Apple, and SoundCloud accounts where you can listen to all our previous episodes and upcoming episodes. If you go to the chapter six pod bio, you'll find both of our our private Instagrams on there as well. And we're also chapter six pod um, on Twitter. And if you want to email us about anything, we are on mail for chapter six um, at gmail.com. Again, you'll find it in our bios on Instagram and Twitter
1: thanks again to adma and definitely check out her podcast with fanan chapter six podcast on all platforms it will not disappoint thanks again to all of you who listen and support the podcast i love you all thank you so much your support means so much to me if you have any feedback please feel free to slide in my dms fill out a contact form on the website Also, definitely check out the website, www.flourishintheforeign.com. I actually added a map to the website, an interactive map. So you can go to the map and check out different countries and cities that are associated with podcast guests. Please check it out. Tell your family and friends to check it out, too. That would be great. Thanks again to Zachary Higgs, who produced the music of this podcast. If you want to learn more about him and how he can help you develop music for your podcast, your YouTube channel, your mixtape that's dropping soon, or whatever, I'll put all of his information in the show notes. All right, until next time, y'all be well, be safe. Please, please, please take care of yourselves. See you next week. Bye. on the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. If you're coming from North America, particularly Canada and the US, just realize that you don't have some of the same liberties that you have at home. Uh, Many countries do not have a First Amendment and do not think that you're gonna go to another country and use a First Amendment. You can look at stories from various regions where people have been jailed or sent home or punished in some way for speaking ill of the country's leadership. I just tell my clients, don't do it. And if you're going to do it, do it in your own house with people you trust and respect. Do not do it in public.